Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Stay standing. I know it's been a while, but stay standing. Put your arms out in front of you. If you're newer here and you don't know what I meant, just put in a receiving position. Just with your own words, begin to say, Lord, speak. Holy Spirit. He's been here the whole time, but we're asking for increase. (laughs) We can never attain the fullness of his glory, but I'm going to ask until I break. (laughs) I'm going to continue to pursue more of him until I cannot contain it in me. So Holy Spirit, come. Father, thank you for what you've been doing in our lives. Thank you for just revealing everything that needs to be revealed so that we can be completely given, transparent, and surrendered to you. Father, we just ask for more of your presence right now. God, I thank you that every person here is here because you called them here. That every person listening is listening because you told them to listen. God, I thank you that you want to do something so deep in our lives that it transforms us. Say yes to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew. You guys doing okay? I noticed during announcements you guys were so engaged. There's about five people that answered a few times. Well, it's been an interesting season. How many of you would agree with that statement in your lives? Good, bad, or indifferent. It's been an interesting season. And I want to share on something today that is an absolutely amazing and terrifying topic. (laughs) I want to share on forgiveness and unforgiveness. And I really believe that the season that we're in, like this holiday season of Halloween and what it represents and the atmosphere that's come, the, the actual plan of the enemy, but also heading into the next couple of seasons of Thanksgiving and Christmas and a time when family, a time when relationships is so important. One of the biggest hindrances we have is unforgiveness. I I honestly don't know of many people that haven't dealt with forgiveness or unforgiveness in this time frame at some point. And 
I know we've, we've mentioned it, that we feel that there is a increased awareness of spiritual warfare. How many of you have heard Pastor Joaquin preach on it, talk about it? It's kind of been, has anybody else just felt that in the air in their lives? If you haven't, go ahead and go enjoy the bake-off. You, you can listen to the tape later if you want. I mean, this isn't for you. <laughs> How many of you were here last night? How amazing was that freedom? If you weren't here, we had these wonderful women, the golden ladies come in and they taught on and took a lot of people through deliverance. Regardless of what your theological stance on is, if you or you, you can or cannot be delivered as a Christian, just put that in your pocket, leave it there. God actually freed a lot of lives last night. And it was absolutely beautiful. How many of you know that there's a truth about unforgiveness, that unforgiveness is the hardness of a heart, and when you have a hardened heart, you actually can't release? Unforgiveness actually puts a hardness in you that you are not able to actually leave that place. You're bound. And freedom is not available unless you say, I give it up, and he takes it and makes you free. I'm all over the place. This is two-thirds of my message Sprinkled in already. Let's start off with some good things. How many of you love this verse? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anybody like that verse? I'm just looking to see who's, who's here and awake. Like this. All right, we're going to do a test really quick. If you have a right arm, lift it up in the air. There's way more of you in here than I thought. This is awesome. This is great. Okay, Matthew 6, 14. For, I, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Beautiful, isn't it? Verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't like that one. Let's just stick with, you know, 614, we'll just stay there. Mark eleven twenty five. and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, and your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Let's stay there. Let's not read the next verse. But if you do not forgive, neither will you father forgiven, your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. It is such an amazing topic, forgiveness, gives us access to eternity with our Father. It's terrifying. Unforgiveness prevents it. Those are the verses we don't want to believe. Well, God wouldn't do that. How many of us have justified Bible verses that we don't want to believe because somebody has told you, well, that's not really what he meant? To me, it's pretty clear. And let me help you out. A lot of people think that, oh, I don't have unforgiveness. I've forgiven them. Just these are some words that may indicate that unforgiveness is still present. Offended. Bitterness. Blame. Judgment. Hatred. Resentment. Animosity. 
Does that mean that you have unforgiveness? No, but it's an indicator it may be there. And we've got to remember that forgiveness doesn't mean that what you're saying they did is right. I'll get to that later. See, I know that in my life, and I'm going to speak for myself, I doubt anybody else in this room has ever done this. I have felt, but you don't know what they did to me. They purposely hurt me. I don't, I don't want to forgive them. See, but God forgave me. And my sin against the perfect God is nothing compared to the acts of an imperfect person towards me. So if I know that my sins towards someone that is perfect and blameless were forgiven, how do I have the right to hold anything against someone that's imperfect in themselves? Like I said, it doesn't make it okay. It just means I have an action to do. With this season and the increased awareness of spiritual warfare and deliverance, I think it's important to go after this because unforgiveness can be a foothold for the enemy in your life. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath and do not give the devil an opportunity. Like to lead you into sin by holding a grudge, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. You know when the best time to forgive someone is? Right after they've hurt you. Because the longer you hold on to it, the longer you begin to justify your pain. And I promise you that if you hold on to it long enough, you'll find scripture to validate your pain and use it as a weapon against them. I will spend my life sharpening my sword of unforgiveness if I don't actually allow it to be given up. Having bitterness, resentment, or unforgiveness towards other actually opens doors for demonic spirits and the enemy. How many of you, be honest. I'm going to call you out. Be honest, and it's okay. How many of you struggle with that concept? Okay, there's a few people. I have too, many times. But my life has actually shown me that something wasn't working. So when I go to the word of God and to God in prayer, he actually reveals truth. And unforgiveness is a door that I give the enemy permission to walk through. See, in the parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew 18, I'm gonna summarize it. A king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. One of the servants owed the king 10,000 talents, but couldn't pay it. The king ordered the servant, his family, and possessions to be sold. So not just him, but his family and his possessions to be sold for repayment. Servant begged for patience and promised to pay everything. The king had compassion, released the servant, and forgave the debt. Forgave the debt. Not said, okay, I'll take your payment plan. He forgave the debt. The forgiven servant found a fellow servant 
who had owed him 100 denarii. Let's just stop for a minute. Do you know in today's economy how much 100 denarii is? Compared to 10, what is it, 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents would take the average person 200,000 years to repay. It's about $7.5 billion. A hundred denarii would take the average person about four months to pay. Just to put it in perspective, that man was forgiven a lifetimes and lifetimes of repayment, yet he goes to a person that owes him a hundred denarii. He demanded payment and choked him. He beat him. He hurt him. The fellow servant begged for patience but was thrown into prison by that other one. The other servants actually went and told the master, told the king. The king called that unforgiving servant, rebuked him, and called him wicked. And the king said he should have had compassion the way he had received compassion. See, the end of the parable is the scary part. Because the unforgiven servant is put into a prison and tormented. Withholding forgiveness from others puts you into a spiritual prison and gives the enemy permission to torment you. It's a serious issue. And it actually causes more than just spiritual problems. Unforgiveness is inviting the enemy to torment you in an area of your life. Proverbs 14, 30 says, A calm and peaceful and tranquil heart is life and health to the body, but bitterness and envy are like rottenness to the bones. See, physically, our health is affected by unforgiveness. It's actually classified in medical books as a disease. According to the Dr. Stephen Sandiford, Chief of Surgery at the Cancer Treatment Center of America, Refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. With that in mind, forgiveness therapy is now being used to treat disease such as cancer. Science is catching up with truth. How many of you have had a, um, I'm I'm not saying you have unforgiveness. How many people have been suffering with an illness and disease or something going on in your health for a long time and it feels like prayer isn't fixing it? I would just propose that there may be an area of your life that you have not opened up to forgiveness so you're not being allowed to step into the promise of God's healing over your body. That's messing with a lot of theology, I know. It's offensive to actually believe the word of God sometimes. Or it is to me. I know you guys are way more mature. You guys have no problem with this. Are you guys okay? Is this too heavy? Will you guys forgive me? You guys laughed, but no one said yes. Jeez, tough crowd. Don't worry, we've got baked goods for you later. Be happy. 
2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. If you forgive anyone anything, I too forgive. And what I have forgiven, I have forgiven anything, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. To keep Satan from taking advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. When I read that, it sounds like his forgiveness for us and to us in the presence of Christ is to prevent Satan from having a place in our lives. Which means if I say, I will not forgive, I'm saying you, I'm not asking you to forgive. I'm preventing you to forgive me because I will not forgive. That's what those earlier verses said. Which means I'm denying the effect of the protective grace of God for Satan influencing my life by staying in unforgiveness. This is not a fun topic. I'm not enjoying this. See, offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. I can guarantee if you're human, breathing, and have ever met another human that's breathing, you will be, you will have an offense against you at some point in your life. We just talked about community. Welcome to offense. Yay. I know everybody's excited to sign up for a home group now. We're going to go to an offense party. It's not what it's about. But it's going to happen. Don't be ignorant to the fact that you will be hurt and offended in this life. But what you choose to do with that is a choice. I can either choose to say, you hurt me. I'm now going to hold that as a record against you. Which means he now gets to hold it as a record against me. Or I'm going to give it to God because that's where it belongs. I didn't say I'm going to give it back to that person. I'm skipping ahead. We're going to figure out how I'll get back to my notes. Forgiveness is a one-person transaction. It's the person that needs to forgive. You may need to forgive somebody that died. It's going to be hard to talk to them and say, I forgive you. What you're saying is, I forgive that person, which means I'm saying, God, I'm giving it to you. I no longer am willing to hold on to unforgiveness. I'm handing it to you because it's yours to hold, not mine. Because once I put it in your hands, it falls away and is forgotten. Does that mean the pain's gone? No. You may need to actually ask God to help you forgive. There have been a lot of times I'm like, I don't think I can. But I don't stay there. I don't think I can, so God help me. God, give me what's necessary to forgive that person and see them the way you see them. That's the hard part. Seeing them the same after they've hurt you. Forgiveness is one thing, but actually seeing them the way he sees them. 
It doesn't mean that what they did was okay. And it doesn't mean you need to stay in an unhealthy relationship. You're allowed to put up boundaries. You're allowed to not stay in that daily life walking through things when you're hurt. I'm not giving you the, well, you have to forgive them and keep walking your life out with them so they can do it again. They may or may not. How many of you have been hurt by the same person more than once? Yeah, if you didn't raise your hand, you don't have arms. Um, How many of you have actually forgiven someone and been hurt by them? Then you forgive them and then you've been hurt by them and you forgive and you've felt this responsibility, I have to make it work. They're my brother, they're my sister in the Lord, they're family, they're, you've given all these reasons why you want to push through, but you continue to stay in the cycle of being hurt over and over and over. Anybody else had that? That's a choice you can make. And sometimes, and I honestly believe most of the time, it's worth fighting for the relationship because that's the heart of God. The heart of God is that we would not be divided. But there is a point when your pain and your reoccurring, it's been hurt, it's been hurt. It's, you've got to set a boundary in place and say, I forgive you, but I no longer decide to reconcile. Let me explain that. Definition of forgiveness is to grant relief from compensation or retaliation or to give up resentment. Biblical, or those are the dictionary definitions. Definition of reconciliation is to settle or resolve, to restore friendship or harmony. I can forgive somebody and not reconcile the relationship. The only relationship I have to reconcile is this one first. And my forgiveness reconciles this one. I can decide to reconcile this one, but that's a choice I get to make. This is the one I have to do. Forgiveness takes one person. The only person that needs to forgive is the one that's holding unforgiveness. Reconciliation takes two people where both come into an agreement or come back together. So you may not even talk to the person anymore, but you may still be holding unforgiveness and you need to let that go. And I would say this, as Christians, we need to guard our hearts and our mouths because we oftentimes forgive with our words but we don't forgive with our hearts and what happens with our words when our hearts actually impure the words follow don't allow praying for others like god touch them convict them change them show them the truth lord don't let your prayers that sound righteous be out of the bitterness of your heart because you're actually cursing more than your blessing. If you don't know what to pray, pray a simple prayer. Father, I bless that person. I pray that anyone that ever sees them sees them through your eyes. God, just bless them. Touch them with your love. Not out of, get them, God. They were wrong and you and I know it. My Bible says you'll fight for me, so go beat them up, God. It's time. Here's the reality. Do you actually trust God when it comes to your prayers about a person that you have unforgiveness for? How about those those people that you say, God, I forgive them, 
and you truly like bless them and you watch them continue to do it to so many people around? Does it trigger and remind you that I knew they wouldn't be worth it? I knew they'd stay evil. God, you need to fix them. They're hurting too many people. I forgave them, so I'm okay now, but they're a horrible person. You didn't forgive them. You gave lip service. You actually believe that if you release someone to God, that he actually is going to do what he needs to do in their life. And then is the result yours to worry about at that point? Some of us are so justice-filled, we want to see people condemned for their ill actions when actually God's saying, I'm not going to condemn them, I'm going to convict and love them. Proverbs 4, 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows springs of life. When you pray, seek his face. Pray for yourself first and then for others to know God more deeply and to be sensitive and aware of his heart. Do it out of a place of purity, not bitterness, not anger. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It takes humility to forgive. It takes humility to pray to God for their sake. But if you do, he will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. It's hard to pray for someone when you're in pain. But that doesn't mean it's not right. He invites us into this ongoing interaction with the countenance of a perfect father. So when he says, seek my face, he's inviting us into a place of intimacy and forgiveness to see the way he sees. You cannot look into the Father's eyes and have the countenance of his face show anything but intimacy, love, and forgiveness. How do you know if you're forgiving someone? You can tell that you have love for the person. I didn't say you have to like them. I didn't say you have to do life with them. I didn't say you had to agree with the way they live. I said that you actually go back and you look at the father's eyes and say, how do you see them? He loves them. He doesn't love you more because you do things better. And he loves some of you more, but that's, you know who you are. So do we. There's something about the countenance that dissolves every offense and distraction that I carry in my heart. Everything fades away in the face of a loving father. When you pray to God, 
for someone that's hurt you or offended you. That's actually done real damage to your life. Do you pray to the judge or do you pray to the Father? It's the Father that invites us into this place. And that's what requires us. That's what he's requiring now. To get realigned to the face and the eyes of a loving Father. I'm personally going through a situation right now where this is required. And I'm demonstrating to my kids... That I will bless this person, not because I want to, not because it feels right, because it is right. And I will not allow any offense to change this. Because the only thing I'm responsible for is my heart and my thoughts. And I have to carry on day to day what I'm holding. So I can choose to hold hurt, pain, and unforgiveness, or I can choose to look at my father's face and say, I want to see the way you see, which is love. I want my children to see what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm living. Why? Because I want them to see an example of what true forgiveness looks like. Is it easy? Is it easy to forgive? No. Is it right? You guys okay? There are so many stories in the Bible involving forgiveness. It's vital for our ability to heal both spiritually Mentally, emotionally, and physically. Every aspect of your life is healed through forgiveness. And unforgiveness prevents those areas from your life from being fully healed. Are you, are you getting that? I'm just, just, here's a few examples. Genesis 25 through 33, Jacob and Esau. Jacob stole the birthright from his brother. I'm not going to go into the stories. You need to read your Bible. But he was forgiven. He was forgiven. Now let me talk just really quick. Jacob asked for forgiveness. And he was forgiven. Genesis 37 through 41. Joseph and his brothers. How many of you know the story of Joseph? How many of you think that sucked? Sorry, it's just getting real. He's seeing and hearing from God, and yet his brothers are offended, so what do they do? They cast him into a pit. They sell him as a slave. And then everything's okay after that, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I like reading sometimes these stories of people where I'm like, oh, I don't have a bad at all. Read Job. Like, just read the book of Job, 
and you'll feel really good about anything you're going through. Joseph and his brothers, he was betrayed. Go through the story. What happens? He forgives them. Luke 15, the prodigal son. God, what a beautiful example of forgiveness. The son dishonors his father, takes his inheritance, goes and goes and lives a beautiful life and comes back and his father's like, well done. Ones are laughing, have read the story. The rest of you need to read the story. He goes and he squanders it all and he lives a sinful life. And he comes back asking for forgiveness and his father doesn't just forgive him. His father runs out and embraces him. Think about that. If you have actually done something sinful in your life, when you come to God, he doesn't just say, I forgive you. He runs and embraces you. In the same way, when you actually say, I forgive them, I actually believe at that moment, he runs and embraces you again. Hmm. And you can't really forget the gospels. Jesus forgave. How many of you believe that Jesus forgave you? Okay, altar call, because most of you aren't saved in this room. Jesus forgave you. We'll start at the beginning. Jesus forgave you. Your sins are washed clean. Welcome in. Jesus forgives the people at the cross after being convicted, tortured, crucified, and killed. The words he says are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We sometimes look at the actions of a person and believe they know what they're doing. They knew they hurt me. Maybe they didn't. The, the, the part about this that I think is funny is that Jesus wasn't just forgiving Christians at that moment. I would say in the room, if we took a poll, this would split about 50-50. Some of you have an easier time forgiving Christians. Some of you have a harder time forgiving Christians. Because some of you are like, they deserve forgiveness. Some of you are like, they should have known better. And then sometimes we almost justify our lack of forgiving unbelievers because they're like, well, you know, they're going to hell anyway. Sorry, that got real. No one's ever thought that. I have once, only once, but nobody else has ever thought that. God didn't just forgive the Christians. He didn't forgive just the ones that were there right then doing what they did. He was forgiving all of humanity. So he already forgave the person that hurt you. So by you saying, I don't forgive them, you're saying, God, I don't believe you. I actually hold my own judgment ahead of yours. When we realize God's gift of forgiveness for us, we're actually set free. Free from guilt, shame. 
We're actually free to become all that God wants us to be. And I would say this, every person in this room has at one point in their life probably had to forgive someone. And I would imagine that there's several people in this room that still haven't. What I want you to do is I want everyone to close your eyes. Quit peeking. I saw you. Now, there have been many people I've talked to about forgiveness, and they're like, oh, no, I've, I've forgiven them. I would sometimes question if we really have forgiven. And sometimes we say, I forgive you, and I think we mean it in the moment, but really quickly we pull up that banner of judgment and unforgiveness and put it back over that person because we've heard they did something else or they did it to us again. So I want you right now to just hear the whisper of God. Who do you need to forgive? Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? And you may have had a name come across your mind and you're like, I don't held anything against them. I've already forgiven them. If that name came across your mind, just trust that God is trying to whisper into a part of your heart that you did not even see you were holding unforgiveness. He sees our heart perfectly. He knows more than we know. Keep your eyes closed, but if, if a name came across your mind or if you just know that there's someone that you are supposed to forgive, I just want you to stand where you are. You don't need to come up front. Just stand where you are. If there's someone that you need to forgive or if a name came across your mind and you know there could be a chance, because here's the reality. Even if you've forgiven them and you heard that name whispered, what's the harm in standing and saying, I'm going to forgive them again? I just want to give us a minute because I actually feel like there's people that are wrestling with the idea of forgiveness and wrestling with the persons that you're thinking or hearing. And I'm not validating their actions. I'm not saying the pain isn't real. I'm not saying there's justification or it was right in any way. I'm saying none of that matters. It's your responsibility to give that person up in forgiveness to the Lord. Because forgiveness is for your sake, not theirs. I'm standing with all of you. I need to forgive some people. So I'm actually going to pray this prayer personally. And if you're able, I actually want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I ask you to search my heart. If there is any unforgiveness in me, I repent and ask you to forgive me. Show me any bitterness or offense that I need to let go of and anyone that I need to forgive. 
Help me to forgive them. Remove every hindrance that keeps me from your forgiveness. What I want you to do is, with your words, I actually want you to say their name. And if there's more than one, just say their names right now. On your own, privately. It can be a low voice, but say their names. Don't hold it in just your mind. Say it with your lips. And Father, I pray that you would bless them right now. Father, I pray you bless them right now. Father, help me to continue to walk in the fullness of your love and your spirit. And help guard my heart, Lord, that unforgiveness has no hold and the enemy has no place to come in. In Jesus' name. Anyone feel better? I'm going to be honest. I don't. I don't feel better. But I am. The pain hasn't left. But the unforgiveness has going to guard this, I'm going to guard this, so that the enemy has no place to come into my life. There's no hardened place that I'm saying, God, I cannot give this to you, because I choose to be judge for someone you've already forgiven. I can't do that. Will the pain go away? Yes, at some point. See, I love, if you take a couple of verses, maybe out of context a little, but the Bible says, do not let your anger go overnight. But there's somewhere else that he says, joy comes in the morning. What if we let go of, unfor- or let go of that unforgiveness before we lay our heads down? What happens in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. Why? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Am I going to make it through pain? Yes. Am I going to make it through attacks? Yes. Because I'm yielding my heart and saying, God, I refuse to hold anything against that man, that woman, that person. What we just did is actually giving permission to the Lord to come and do something new in our lives. We ask for those moments of defining, like, God, I want something significant to happen in my life right now. We just did something that actually invited that significance to happen. Be aware of your heart. Be aware of your mind. Be aware of what's going on in you over the next few days. Because I just said, I don't feel any better right now. I bet in a few hours, I'm going to think, wow, I actually feel better can't actually put a reason. I just feel better. Why? Because I released what I was holding to God 
And now I'm free for him to shower his love and his goodness and his joy on my life. Awesome. Why don't you guys all stand real quick? Father, we just thank you for your truth. God, we thank you for your word. God, I'm, I'm thankful for the verses I don't like and I don't understand. <laughs> they keep me dependent on you and they keep me in awe and wonder. God, I thank you that your truth is everything, that your presence is everything, that you are everything, God. And Father, I pray that every person here, every person that hears this, that something happens in their heart, in their mind, and that they are freed even more to receive what you have for them, God. And I pray that we would be blessed in our comings and our goings. I pray that our relationships flourish. And I just bless every person and household. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.